Terry, I think our praise team, and all of you have taken part in worship this morning, and so thank you so much for uh, your participation, and that's what we came to do this morning, is to take part in Bible study and Bible fellowship, and now in our worship time as we have worshiped, and so thank you for being a part of our worship service. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 3. We want to look at verses 1 through 10. Later we'll read from the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, and then a little later we'll read from the book of Matthew, and so uh, just some selected passages. The main text from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, well, I said one, we'll read 1 through 13. I believe that's what's on the screen. 1 through 13. Genesis chapter 3. 1 through uh, uh, 13. I'm going to share with you this morning a sermon entitled, Where Are You? Where are you? Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I've commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to worship you, now to open your word. Thank you, Lord, for understanding this morning that uh, you are here. You're here. I guess the question we're facing this morning is what you ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? Help us, we pray, Lord, to take this message, listen to your voice. Help us to realize that what we've read this morning is the inspired, infallible, the errant word of God. 
And so, Father, although I read aloud, it was your words. And so take your words and apply those to our hearts. And when the invitation is given, as you call people to yourself, as they respond, I pray they will respond. And that you'll be honored and glorified and magnified as people call out to you, knowing that you're the only Lord, you're the only Savior, you're the only true God. Thank you for our time together. May, Lord, you give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Sermon, where are you? If you're taking notes, I guess point number one would be Adam and Eve willingly disobeyed God. Perhaps you've read this passage and may have heard it preached from time to time, and you probably know the story well. But in Genesis chapter 3, chapter 3 gives us the biblical account of how sin came into the world through the direct disobedience of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they knew the consequence of sin. They knew there would be consequence of sin. Now, you need to remember that simple statement. There is always, or this simple statement, there is always consequence when it comes to sin. There's what's also known, and that's also known as the law of the harvest. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so there's always consequence with sin. And so Adam and Eve, they knew that sin would bring forth death. They were told, or she was told, as, and both of them were told, really, that if you eat of the fruit uh, from the tree that's in the midst of the garden, you're going to die. You'll die. And so the infallible Word of God, the inspired Word of God, declares that sin will bring death. So sin will bring physical death, and sin also will bring spiritual death. And so the point is, unless your sins are forgiven, you're going to die physically, and then unless your sins are forgiven, you're going to die spiritually. Death's going to come because of sin, and all have sinned, therefore all are facing death. The Bible says it this way, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. And so Adam and Eve willfully sinned, knowing the consequence of sin was death. But notice number two, if you're taking notes, God convicted Adam and Eve of sin. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, Genesis 3, simply says, Then the eyes of them were both open, or the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so God convicted Adam and Eve of sin. Verse 7 says, The eyes of them were both open, and they knew they were naked. Their sin was not their nakedness. Their sin was their disobedience. And their nakedness was a result of their sin. He convicted them of sin. That means that the moment... They sinned, the Holy Spirit of God opened their eyes to their sin. The same happens to you and me. When we sin, the Holy Spirit of God opens our eyes, the eyes to our soul, that we have sinned. It's not something that we're unaware of. We know right from wrong. And, and God opens our eyes to our soul and and we know that we've sinned. So the point is, immediately when you sin against God, you know it. 
You immediately know it. And so the Spirit of God convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so the point is, you may justify your sin, you may rationalize your sin, you may excuse your sin, you may excuse yourself, you may excuse others because of their sin. However, deep down in your spirit, the eyes of your spirit are opened by the Holy Spirit, and you know that you are in direct disobedience to God immediately when you sin. Immediately when you sin. And so God convicted Adam and Eve of sin. But something else, notice, they heard the sound of God. Now what does that mean? Look at verse, uh, I believe verse uh, 7 um, in chapter, th- uh, chapter 3. The eyes of them were both open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together made themselves covering. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves. So they heard the sound of God. Now, what you have to understand with this verse, verse 8, is that the emphasis of the verse is not about fellowship with God. We're not talking about a sweet fellowship with God where they walk with God and talk with God and they heard the voice of God calling them in the cool. It's not a sweet time with them. It's really not a good time for Adam and Eve. But they heard the sound of God. So the emphasis of the verse is not fellowship with God. You know why? Because they were out of fellowship with God. Sin brings disfellowship with God. They were not in fellowship with God. They had sinned, and when they'd sinned, they became separated from God. Think of it as a wedge being driven between them and God. That's what sin does. When we sin and refuse to confess our sin, that sin drives a wedge between us and God. Your sin always comes between you and a holy God. Any sin always separates you from God. Sin is an affront to God. Your sin always separates you from God. That's why Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I have sin in my heart, God will not hear me. Uh, If you're trying to pray and you have unconfessed sin in your heart, God will not hear you. He says it another way in Isaiah 59 too. Your sins have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And so oftentimes people will tell me who have refused to repent of sin, well, I talk to God every day. I pray every day. I communicate with God every day. Communication is a back-and-forth conversation. If you have sin in your life, you're not talking and communicating with God until you confess that sin. You're talking to yourself and not God. He will not communicate as long as there's sin in a person's life. So Adam and Eve willingly disobeyed God. He convicted them. Their eyes were open. They heard the sound of God... Well, what was the voice of God saying? Look at verse 9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And that's what the voice of God said. Where are you? First thing he said was, Where are you? 
So the Lord God called unto Adam, Where are you? God knew where they were. He knew exactly where they were. He wasn't calling out to Adam, Where are you? to try to find out where Adam was. He knew where Adam was. The point is, you can't run from God, you can't hide from God, you can't disguise yourself from God. God knows exactly where you are. He knows where you are right now. Look, if you will, to uh, Psalm 139. I believe it will be on your screen. Psalm 139. You'll find that God knows where we are. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or how can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide you from me, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. God knows where you are. You cannot leave, hide from God, disguise yourself from God. He knows exactly where you are. So what did he say? He said, where are you? Trying to locate them? No, he wasn't trying to locate them. I'll tell you what he was trying to do, and I'll tell you a little more about it in a minute. He's trying to bring them out from where they were. He was trying to get them to move from where they were and come out from their hiding, kind of like today. Some of you are hiding from God, and you think God don't know, and God is calling you. He knows where you are. What he's trying to do is get you to come out from where you are. Notice, fourth, they responded to his voice. Adam and Eve, they were convicted. They hid themselves from God. God came calling he called out. He called them out of their hiding. He called them out into the open. You say, well, what's the point of all this, Brother Sammy? The point is some of you are hiding. I've been there. I try to hide from God. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Maybe you're thinking, he won't see me. Maybe he'll think, I'm not here. Maybe he's thinking that he's talking to other people and he's not directing any of this sermon toward me. I can remember when Judah was small and uh, we'd set her on the bed. Maybe you did this for your child or children. And we'd play hide and seek, hide and go seek, just hide and seek. And I'd say, all right, hide and I'm going to come. You know what she'd do? She'd put her hand over her face. She thought she was hid. And I'd go, and I'd go in the room, and where is Judah, and where is Judah? And all the time, she had her face. She wouldn't say anything. She thought she was hid. Some of you think you're hid from God. But he knows exactly where you are. And so his Holy Spirit is calling you out from where you are today. So what's the point, Brother Sammy? Well, you're here. But you're thinking maybe God won't see me. Maybe God won't recognize it's me. Maybe God will pass over me. Some think if I don't go to church, he won't find me. He'll find you in your house. 
Maybe if I go to the lake, he won't find me. He's with you at the lake. He knows where you are. You cannot go up. Simon said you cannot go down. Darkness cannot cover you because a light of God will shine through. He knows where you are. He knows where you are. So the question becomes this. Why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Well, some people are hiding because they're lost. They're lost. You know, the word lost is terrible. It's a terrible word. I mean, it's a tragic word just to think, to be lost, to be lost, to be lost eternally. To be lost for a little while is terrible, but to be lost eternally is kind of unthinkable. You don't want to think about that. Lost is a terrible word. It's a tragic word because it implies loneliness. It, it implies separation. Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost, those that were lonely, those that were apart from him, those that were without hope. And the point of his calling, listen up, was to let Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve know that forgiveness and redemption was available if they'd simply respond to his call. And that's what he wants for you. He's calling you. He's calling you. And you're thinking, my goodness, you know, he won't forgive me. Yes, he will. He would not be calling. And he's calling you to let you know that forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness is available. Redemption is available. Salvation is available. That's why he's calling. And so he calls. He calls. Called Adam, he called him. Imagine the scene there in that garden. We're almost finished. And all of a sudden, he's calling. And over here's a tree. And out behind that tree comes old Adam. And down below, there's a big bush below that tree, next to that tree. And here comes Eve, and she raises up. And tears streaming down their face. They had disobeyed God, deliberately disobeyed God, and God has sought them out to let them know there's redemption and there's forgiveness, and you need to come out. I know where you are. Just come out. And they came out. You know, they, they walked out. Had they not responded, they would have been lost forever. They would have been lost forever. And so some today are hiding simply because they're lost. But to be saved, the sinner must answer God's call, answer God's appeal, answer God's invitation. And so this morning, some perhaps here, this morning, some viewing by Facebook or YouTube, you're lost and God's calling you while you're hearing this sermon this morning. And some of you need to be saved. And God says, come out. And this morning, you know, he's making an appeal. He's inviting you to respond to the convictions of the Holy Spirit and come out to Jesus and be saved. Some are hiding because they're lost. But secondly, God's also making an appeal to some Christians this morning. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested and all those believers that were with him, his disciples, saved Judas? All of them that followed him, all but one, John, they fled and they went. And what did they do? They hid themselves, the Bible says. They hid. You know, a number of Christians, I'm convinced, have abandoned Christ. 
They've abandoned Christ and they've abandoned His church today. The harvest is white unto harvest, and it has never been this white unto harvest for in any time. But at the same time, the laborers have never been as few as they are now. The whitest harvest than we've ever had, but the fewer laborers than we've ever had. And the reason for that, some are hiding. Some are hiding their testimony. Some are hiding their service. Some are hiding their spiritual gifts. Some are hiding behind materialism. Some are hiding behind hobbies. Some are hiding behind pleasures. Some are hiding behind secularism. And yes, some are hiding behind a virus. They're hiding. Hiding. And God knows who professes his name, but they've abandoned him. And they've abandoned him when he needs them the most to reach a lost world to himself. And so he's calling you out from behind your bush this morning if you've abandoned him as a follower. And you hear the voice of him calling. And he says the same as he said to Adam and Eve. Where are you? Come out into the open. Come out and confess the sin that hinders your testimony. Come out and pray for your family. Come out and serve. Come out and connect with the body of Christ. As a believer, come out. You've abandoned me. You need to come out. And so God called them out. And what did they do? They began to make excuse. Verse 12 and 13. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree of the uh, gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and, and I ate. So they played the same old game. It's been played ever since the, the day of creation with Adam and Eve. They played this blame game for what they did and why they did it. But listen, when God calls you out, when God makes an appeal to you, when God gives you an invitation, the only thing you need to say is, Lord, I've sinned, have mercy on me, and forgive me. That's all he really wants to hear. In closing, in just a few minutes, you'll notice in the last point, God expects us to respond today. He's going to offer an invitation. And that invitation is for you to respond as God has called in your life. If you're lost and he's called you to salvation, now's the time to respond. If you're hiding as, uh, as a, a Christian and you've put a front up and you don't want to do this or that for God, you need to come clean with God. He knows your heart. Just admit, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. Forgive me. Put me in the right grace with you. And he'll do exactly that. Now, I know there's preachers who really don't believe in giving an invitation or an appeal. They say, really, it's not biblical. But I've just shared with you how God gave mankind, Adam and Eve, an opportunity to respond to his call, his invitation, his appeal in the first book of the Bible. And when you study the Bible, you'll find the opportunity to, to respond to an appeal is given to several people throughout the pages of the Bible. 
Noah responded to an appeal in Genesis 1-7. He obeyed God, and God saved his family, his household. Abraham responded in Genesis 12, 1-4, and God formed a people because he responded. Moses responded to an appeal. Joshua responded to an appeal. Elijah responded to an appeal. And Jesus, if you remember, he publicly promised something in Matthew 10, verse 32. He says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And in verse 33, But whoever denies me before men, him will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So remember, there's one favorite word of Jesus. And that is this, come, come. You may not understand doctrine of heaven and hell and forgiveness and mercy. You may not understand any of that. You may not be a theologian. You've never trusted Christ. But do you understand the word come, 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 follow me, Matthew 19, 21. Come and see. John 1, 39. Come to me, all you who are a burden and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come, take your cross and follow me. Mark 10, verse 10. Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. So the point is, God begins in Genesis 3 with an appeal, and he goes all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, Chapter 22, verse 17, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 verses from the bottom, and he ends the book with, he began it with, come, where are you? Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears says, say, come, and let him who first come, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Where are you? Where are you? Come out. Come forth. Come forward. Come to be saved. Come to the altar. But come. Will you respond to that appeal? Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to open your word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us your word this morning. Father, I'm just the mouthpiece. Your word is inspired. It's from you. The people have sat here very patiently, reverently, considerately, and they've heard it. And now, Father, to the most important part of this service, not the preaching, which is very important, but the responding to your word. Help them, I pray, today to be obedient to the Holy Spirit in their life as they're willing to come. In Jesus' name, amen.